Hello and welcome back to this special edition of the Evolving Hockey Podcast. My name is Sean and I'm joined by the Evolving Wild Twins, Josh and Luke Youngren. And tonight we decided to uh, set up a separate special podcast to discuss the salary cap projections, which came out on Tuesday following the first round of the NHL playoffs. This is a very big part of the site. Some people I think might even just join for the summer just to see the salary cap projections to be honest um but it's kind of our niche and so we decided to dedicate an entire podcast episode to discuss the salary cap projections yeah what's up sean yeah we just hey. uh we just i feel like we're now we're gonna you know turn this into a twice a week podcast right although i don't know how people do that like <laughs> or daily anyway sorry i'm way off topic um yes we uh the contract projections that a lot of people um, I think are familiar with or who follow, you know, are, are uh, involved or, or use the site are familiar with. Um, we are on our, I believe it's our fifth year in its current format. We've been doing them longer. And I think we've talked well, no, about this we before. Have, we have four years of contract projections for the off season on the on site. The site yeah. And we did it for a year proper before that, before the site was kind of live. And then we did it like our first foray into projecting this was in a year before that. So six years ago when we really didn't have a clue what we were doing, kind of. It was one Uh, of the first models that we, like predictive models that we, I think we tried. Um, And it was, uh, we'll get in, we're going to get into kind of how it works and what it looks like kind of currently. But our original model was just, I think was just raw cap hit, I think. And we didn't do like term. We didn't have any, any, um, I don't know additional options for players is just like what their most likely contract was um and so the models evolved quite a bit since the original version um i should say but yeah i guess the first thing we'll say is that we use um data from cap friendly contract data from cap friendly and as we've talked about numerous times in the site they're easily i mean like none of this would be possible without them it's an incredible site um, it's a great resource for everybody, uh, and we're really lucky that we get to use their data to do these projections because they're they just have a really a really robust database of player contracts that go back. Um, I I mean they go back to like the 2000s if you can like go the in, early you know, 2000s early 2000s kind of but, but it's not to, like yeah. complete necessarily no, and, they, and they start to get more or less robust like around 2008 2007 kind of like in line with when the RTSS data came out from the NHL um, and so. Uh, yeah, I, I, that's the first thing I want to say is that it's all thanks to uh, Cap Friendly's data, and we're just really lucky to be able to use it. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess if we want to go into how the model works, or if- well, we also should say that a lot of our um, kind of we took a lot of inspiration from Matt Kane. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry, um, I was who say now that. works for the New Jersey Devils. Um, he was doing this uh, kind of before us. Like we were kind of we thought, oh, that looks fun. Let's try our hand at it too. Um, and we, you know, back when we were first learning how to do like modeling, like predictive modeling like this and Matt Kane made a lot of kind of advancements. He was, um, kind of like fundamental in developing how the model kind of framework works. Um, and, uh, he used to put out a Google sheets that was extremely popular. Um, and then I want to say he went on some broadcasts too, like during free agency. I think he was on the, he went on a TSN in in the (laughs) summer of like. 2016 or something I, yeah. yeah so i he was we started up i think about five years ago was when he was hired i want to say it may have been after that but he was hired and then he wasn't doing the projections he wasn't doing the projections anymore and so uh um we kind of i think the framework which we'll get into 
specifically revolves around, or I guess um, in, involves uh, like the way that term is incorporated in the model. And so like what I said earlier is that we initially had just one model that was predicting cap hit without a term, but um, Matt Cain did a lot of work on making two separate models that one of which predicts term and one predicts cap percentage or cap, the actual dollar amount. Um, at each of the term, yes, at one yeah. through eight years. Yeah, so, and that was kind of, that was a big, I think, thing that we took from from him. And that was, you know, there's a lot of, there's a, a decent amount of things that are different in the actual models. Um, like we use different models and the all the prep is all different and the amount, like the features and stuff that we have in the model are different than what Matt did. But, um, but that framework was pretty... Uh, pretty or it was very important for for us to kind of start working on this so um i don't yeah i guess i could just like do a quick overview i mean we could go into it a lot like i the one thing i will say we're not going to go i don't think we'll cover it as in depth as maybe some people would like but we do still have um, a very in-depth explainer on the website or on on evolving hockey so you can find it on the um, references page there's a link i think it's just called contract projections um but it's a an article we actually initially wrote for hockey graphs um, that was after I think our initial model, um, I want to say, or maybe the second year, I can't quite remember. I think it was 2019. So it would have been the first year that we were doing it on the site. Uh, and that was originally on hockey graphs. And then we reposted it on our site. Um, and that goes into like a bunch of detail about all of the modeling aspects and a lot of like the data work and what we include and all that stuff. So if you want kind of the actual nuts and bolts that are really fine, like, I guess, low level, um, you know, check that out. But uh, I don't know. I guess I can just. We like, also, also, we have a glossary entry. And if you also just go to the, you can just go to the contract projections page, which is under the, uh, what, tools? What is the drop down? Uh, <laughs> uh, it's uh, under the, the projections drop down. It's, yeah. Uh, just contract projections. There's links at the in the bullet points to the full write up in our glossary entry for shorter. But yeah, but I mean. I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll just do a quick overview. And then, Luke, you can fill in some details if I've missed anything. But we ultimately, like I said, the, the contract data we use comes from Cap Friendly. Um, we have all contracts that they track uh, going back to you know uh, 2000. But for the model purpose, the way it works in a simple, I guess I'll try to keep this a little simple, is that we look at the um, contract data or at the time a contract was signed, we take the previous three years of, of both skater metrics. So like in for the most part, it's kind of the standard box score stuff like points, blocks, shots, those things, time on ice. Um, so we take at a given time when a player signs a contract, we look at the previous three years um, of, of skater data. We also have information from the NHL about what, you know, their position, their age, their draft information. Um, we've tried a bunch of other things and then there are some other things that we've included in the model as well. But at the time the contract signed, we look at the prior three years, those prior three years for each, the term and the contract, uh, the cap percentage model are weighted for recency. And so those are on in, we go into more detail about this, but for the term model, the weights are the most recent season gets an 11 weight, um, the second prior season is two, and the third prior season is one. The term or the per the percentage model is a little bit um, it's a little bit more not as heavily weighted towards the most recent year, but this was determined kind of by um, evaluation uh, approaches like grid search and whatnot. I could I, I won't get into that too much. Oh, we also um, should then, explain that uh, yeah. the uh, we're predicting um, when Josh says perk model yeah, that sorry. means the salary cap percentage. So it's the percentage of the salary cap that the player is signing at. Because um, and we predict salary cap percentage because we're not really sure a lot of the time when, like for the new projections, what the salary cap is going to be. But the actual reason is to adjust for the changing salary yes. cap. Yes, so it, it, it yeah. keeps moving. So like in, I don't remember what historic salary caps were, but right now the salary cap is predicted to be at eighty three point five million. Um, and so a player who signs an eight point three five million 
contract would have a 10% salary cap. So they they would be signing 10% of their team's salary cap would be towards that player. And that's we use that for every player. And so you can adjust the salary cap and the percentage will percentage stays the same it just you know changes with the salary cap um, but it allows you over the years to kind of keep all of the contracts on the same value and so you are or same scale or same scale so you're inherently incorporating um you're, or you're you're comparing uh over the years of the salary cap changing and when i yeah like what luke said is that the mo- the actual projections are the result of two different models and so that three-year approach is used for both of them and the weights are different and the features and like what the metrics we include are different but for the most part they're pretty similar i will We'll say just quickly that the term model is a um, we use a random forest. It's called we actually use Ranger um, is the technical I think model name in R and we use R for this. And then it, the contract percentage model we use Cubis, which is kind of a um, again I won't go into too much detail, but it's kind of like a spline like Mars type model. Um, it's pretty close to linear regression, but it has some a- additional ways to account for um, things that might not fit kind of a standard uh, distribution I guess overall. And so then. The actual output of the model is we we look at what the term model said. So if a player of we have predicts it predicts one through eight years. So it's an eight class multi you know classification model, and the output of the model gives us a probability of terms from one to eight. And so we get eight probabilities for a given player, and then the highest probability for a player's term. So say I don't know. I think this year we were we're gonna get into some some players, but like Vince Dunn, for instance, has his highest probability is like an eight year deal, and so that's the mo- that's the term we pick, and then we also use that term to predict, um, or we use the contract pre- or percentage model to predict all eight terms, and then the corresponding, uh, uh, I guess, cap percentage at that term. So for Vince Dunn, his eight year term what the cap percentage is is then what our most likely contract is so that's kind of like the i don't know i we rambled here a little too long but i think that's oh, it's the, just, it is a kind of a complicated framework yeah, so is. it is there's a lot that goes into it um and uh it yeah it it it, it is a little bit complicated and um but, but again, i think that overall yeah. once you kind of get it under your belt like kind of get familiar with it now again we should um I think a lot of people are familiar with how it kind of works at this point. Um, and yeah, I'm trying to think if there's anything. I else. mean, there's a I lot mean, of this- other things that we could get into. I think I, I will say quickly that I think the most we we've tried to use some of our more like quote unquote advanced metrics. So like GAR or XGAR or RAPM. Um, but ultimately what we've kind of seen over the years that we've been doing this is that GM still pay players based on the very standard box score metrics. So a lot of the things, I would say the biggest, actually one of, maybe the biggest aspect of it is age. So how old a player is kind of ends up being extremely impactful overall between each of the you know models. And then the other one is like points, but we use kind of Dom's, Dom Lucision's original game score metric. We tried a couple different ones, but like that's one that we also kind of make ourselves, quote unquote. But points are also pretty, are big and they're correlated with game score. And then time on ice and, or games play, yeah, um, games played is and, and again we're looking at the prior three years waiting so the model takes all of these things into account and it's a little bit hard to kind of suss out what the most important features are but for the most part it's it's age i guess i should say contract like signing status so rfa versus ufa because we include that at as well and then position uh and then probably like kind of points time on ice um block shots we do you do some like on ice metrics so um i think we in the term i think the cap percentage we have actually on ice Corsi differential and goal differential at five on five but these are very small parts that are kind of just they include are included for 
really probably more diminishing returns, you know, aspects of, of, of kind of juicing the model's performance, if you will. But for the most part, I think that's the, that's the general uh, overview. Um, I don't know, Sean, did we miss anything? Or do you think people are going to have questions about our explanation here? <laughs> I don't think you missed anything. I mean, I think you went pretty <laughs> thoroughly through this here. Um, oh, the other I mean, thing, I guess, well, <laughs> Sorry, you go ahead. I was so just gonna. Say, yeah. I was just gonna say that there are two components to also is that we use. Are they signing with the prior team? Yeah, they, they played with. Yep. Um. So are they are they signing a contract with this team that they most recently played with, or are they signing with a new team? And then also we have um three signing periods, quote unquote, where that is a predictor in both the uh cap the term model and the cap percentage model. Um. Of uh, if they're signing during free agency, which we classify as, or we consider the first the month starting with free agency when it opens for the the off season, and then the next uh, month, and then we have the kind of quote unquote holdout period, which is the next month up until the first through the first week of the season, right? Yes. So that would be August, like so. It, so this year it'll be July first through July thirty first uh, is the first period which is just standard free agency time. The next period would be August 1st through, I think it's like October 12th is what we normally do. Somewhere in there, there's not a ton of contracts signed like right in that last kind of whatever. And then we have the kind of quote-unquote extension or um, I guess third period, just kind of just an extension period, which starts August 13th and goes till June 30th. And so ultimately what this is, is that the distribution of when contracts are signed, the vast majority of contracts are signed within the first four weeks after free agency signs. I think it's something like 80% of all NHL contracts since 2005 have been signed in basically July. Um, and so you get then a very a big drop off. I think most people, this kind of is intuitive, is that if you are follow NHL free agency, the vast majority of players sign like honestly within the first week of free agency. Now this has changed a little bit over time, but you then have players who hold out, quote unquote. Now there's a couple different reasons why they might hold out or why they're not signing. Um, and so sometimes it actually is a legitimate holdout. Sometimes it's just players take a little bit longer to figure out where or they, they want to go. Or like teams didn't show interest yeah. enough because their their what they were willing to accept was pretty yeah. high. And, and then, then they the, had to drop their whatever. Yeah, and then the other one is more or less just in-season extensions. Um, and we do have, like, right now, for instance, is kind of a weird time that we've thought about changing because, like, the, the contracts signed before free agency but, like, during the after the regular season are always kind of weird. Like, there's a weird... Um, they don't. They seem to be the ones that are like high, highest variance. Uh, I think or, among the model, but specifically the 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 term or the cap percentage, like they're actually cap hit, come in much lower than what we predict. A, a lot of the time, um, a lot of the time. Yeah. Now it's only like five to like ten players. It seems like that'll sign, but like, like that f- in, yeah. impact, like you know, like impactful. Yeah, yeah. Just now, like what? The- like well, for, didn't like Frederick Goudreau? Yeah, sign, so Fred, yeah, I don't know, a couple weeks ago now, he signed a five-year like two point one million contract or whatever, and he Which actually just, signed before we went live with the projections, so we aren't like that's. But the one that did just sign, actually, Marcus Johansson signed a two by two million dollar deal with the Wild, and we actually, and that came, I think he signed that the day that our projections came out, um, and we had him projected at I think it was more like a two by three. And so a lot of time what you see is players, even UFAs, um, who are they, – they might just want to not deal with free agency or they might kind of already know where they want to go. Um, or you might just see some players who are like, I don't really care, and they'll just take whatever what the team gives them. There's a lot of different reasons. Well, but- we actually – if we had Johansson, if you go to the third signing period, which this would be, we had him at 4 by 4 
Yes, but his uh, two-year deal. His two-year like deal. Million. Oh yeah, he had a really. Uh, his two-year deal was three point one million. Yeah. yeah. So there is kind of that, and that that goes back to that where last year we had like Brian Rust signed way under uh, Malkin and Bergeron and Giordano. But those didn't. I don't think they signed early. I can't remember I if Gio or or uh, 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 Bergeron signed. I can't remember. Anyway. Yeah. So yeah, that that's the last of it. We'll let Sean if we if he wants to add anything or if we missed anything that <laughs> I don't. Think I was going to so. go into the signing period thing. Um, one thing I think maybe to clarify. I think for those who might be listening, they probably already know this, but I constantly see this when the screenshot gets posted on Twitter of like the top ten signings or whatever right? yeah like the, just on the release like there's like a screenshot like the top 10 that the signs with is a functionality within the predictions to which you can switch around in the tool on the site yeah so when this is posted this is not a prediction that you know um looking at a ufa right here like patrick kane signs with a different team it's just that's the default that's on yes the site that a ufa will sign with a different team and an rfa will sign with the same team since that's kind of how these things generally work the greater population ufas will explore the market and sign with one of the 31 other teams and the rfas with their restrictions are largely going to sign within teams because there's basically no offer sheets yes yes and that's that's one thing i i had in bold on our glossary section that exact point i actually unbolded it because it's been like that for a while and i was like you know i think i can maybe just get rid of this but yes it is not a a, we're not predicting which team we think or you know whether or not a player is going to sign with their previous team or not it's it's we give all there's four different features in that drop down if you go so you can look at if all players, including UFAs, RFAs, sign with a new team or a different team or vice versa. You can then, switch it around. It's, it just, kind of, it's, it's a little yeah. clunky, but I, I think I, that it kind of... I think when we added the prior team and con- contract period, it is it def- it made the model a lot better when we incorporated it, but it makes the, um, I think, useful or how easy it is, ease of use for the actual table and the tool itself gets a little bit tricky. And so I will, I guess I'll send a reminder also, is just when you're looking at it, um, I see this a lot too, is people will... Um, it's I think just make sure that you're selecting the right contract period as well. The signing of, period. Because like right now, even with Marcus Johansson, he signed um, you know, in period three, quote unquote, because it's before free agency. But we had a lot of there were several people who had just kept it like he signed in July, and those do matter. Like that actually does impact things, and we have all of the different versions there. But um, yeah, well, I hold on. Let me yeah. see what Johansson would sign if he signed. So we were at at the at that term, he signed a two year. Uh, we had him predicted at three point one two one three. So if I sweet switch this over for Johansson, sorry, I'm just doing this on the fly. I apologize to our listeners. <laughs> um, we had him if he signed in free agency, he would have gotten about uh, three point two six. So it's a it's not super big, but that's about one hundred fifty thousand or one hundred. Hundred twenty thousand dollars more uh, would would if he would have waited until free agency, and I think that's kind of what you see is that. In free agency, if players are signing during free agency, the the projections are generally going to be a little higher than if they're signing in the holdout period or they're signing in the extension period, which I think makes sense um, if you look at it because, like, Johansson signing now, he could have gone and tested the market, which may have driven the value that he would be asking for up for the Wild, for instance. Um, but also we see players like... Um, I don't know uh, the most recent holdout I can think of. The only thing I can think of is Nylander, but 
but uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, they're basically they're if they're holding out, the contract generally goes down um, that they would be signing. Um, just because like it ends up the team is much lower than where the player wants to be and then the eventually the player will kind of come down a little bit off what their ask was is generally what yeah. we see so but and then the other thing i will say i just to clarify is that we actually like i mentioned we used the prior three years weighted for recency for each of the models um which ends up being that actually the contracts that are included in the model are i believe it's from the uh Let's see, seven, eight, nine. I think it's in the 2009-2010 season is when they first start. Um, and so anything before that we isn't included. But as we each year, we get more data from CapFriendly because of the previous year. And so that gets included as well. Um, and so it does, I think, uh, in terms of trends, I think that's one question we have a lot is people. I think each year it's kind of funny because um, – in general, the model has, I, we should say, I guess this is, I don't want to brag too much, but the model is very good. <clears throat> um, it's It's been, it's done a very good job at predicting contracts. Um, one reason is because GMs and agents in the, in the general market f- for players in the NHL um, is pretty consistent. I think there are very clear trends. There are ways in which I think players are compared to each other from a contract standpoint. And I think things, uh, for the most part, stay relatively similar in terms of how players are paid because of the I think the infrastructure of how salaries are dealt with the NHL and so year over year the model um, that's not the only reason we we've done a lot of work to make sure the model is does a good job but it, it it does a pretty pretty good job overall in terms of predicting but each year we we do see some trends in terms of players underpaying or overpaying versus the the model and this is our like this is a projection for it but it also kind of you can maybe read a little bit into kind of trends year over year but what used to happen when we first started is that we would be under projecting players and so we would be you know you we used to get a bunch of criticism be like oh this is way too low for this player like these and you know and oftentimes we would miss a little low because the again I don't want to get too detailed here because we're already kind of getting detailed as well. So maybe I should just embrace it. But uh, is that what a lot of times people care about is the top like 10 players like that's They don't care about anyone else. They a lot of people just look at like the top 10 or maybe 20 free agents. And then that's kind of what you get based, you know, what some people just evaluate the model on. But for the most part, I mean, that's a very small chunk of the population that signs that those deals and the vast majority, I mean, it's like 90, 90, you know, 8% of the contracts are not those players. I mean, it's, you know, it's a much, much more. And so like the model does a really, really good job in the area where there are more contracts that have been signed historically. And at the higher end, you get more variance because there's just not as many players who are ever going to sign that kind of deal. Um, and so like it used to be that we would under project players on that end. Then last season, we actually over projected relative. And so it kind of changed. For like and what? Like I should throw. say this is all relative, you know, like yeah. we were... Uh, we were much higher in like RNH's deal. We were higher in Johnny Goujo's deal. We were higher on, I mean, Giordano, well, Bergeron, yeah. you know, Latang. We were higher on. Um, but then, you know, you, so there's a little bit of. I guess what I'm trying to say here is that on the higher end is that we should expect a little more variance because there are just not nearly as many contracts signed in that area. And by this, I mean like over, you know, over five million. Honestly, like over, maybe over. 7 million per year is kind of the area where you really start to see a lot more um, movement um, in terms of like the predict, you know, the accuracy of the projections. But um, that's just one point I wanted to make as well. Yeah. And then also I should say that cause I, I made, I made these things where the contract projection plots, mm. if you go to the site, um, which is trying to basically display the contract projections um, for a single player. Um, 
in the off season. So it shows the uh, you know you get some nice bubbles uh, in the top <laughs> chart showing the uh, the terms. Uh, so at each term, what the um, the 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 uh, like predicted salary would be, and then uh, in this chart in the bottom, you get to see all of the most impactful or our estimate of the most impactful predictors on the uh, on the models, uh, various the term and the cap percentage model um, showing compared to the rest of the players in the league at the um, at the position they play. Um, so that's kind of I, I hope that I, I think people seem to like them. Um, Sean I, loves them. Yeah, Sean. <laughs> I, I do. I think yeah. they're great. I like them too. I think they're fun. I, I really um, I had to make sure that I didn't screw anything up. There's also some. Um, oh, and, and also we should note that um, any player predicted below the league minimum um which happens because it's just it's you can't set yeah. a hard bound on this type of model it's so close it's close so like yeah. i think we'll i, have, I believe so I, currently I for the next season the lowest uh the the league minimum is seven hundred seventy five thousand dollars. it went up this coming for this coming season the last two years it was 750 maybe three years I don't know, uh, but it, anyway, and so if any contract is predicted below league minimum, we just snap it up to league minimum. Um, I want to say mo that's only like for, I mean, you can go look if you sort by pred contract and then flip it. Um, you'll see how many players were predicted below the league minimum, but normally it's there that, that what, what the prediction is showing is like 630 or 680. There were a few players who were... I was looking at it. I want to say... Oh, it is kind of funny. Not to throw shade at any one player, but I believe that Trevor Lewis had the lowest predicted contract for this coming offseason. And I think I want to see he was like four hundred thousand in the. Oh, was it? Model. I thought it only went down to like five thirty. There was like one or two players for some reason, and this is again like what I was talking about on the. It's edge cases, so these are like for whatever reason, like there's just like maybe there was some weird thing that happened in the data that just did drive this, or it's just the model is just like not. It's not a real world situation, and so we just kind of fix that. So that's if you like what Luke's saying is if you go and see a whole bunch of players predicted at league minimum, it's because probably they were predicted at below league minimum, and we just rounded them up because it's not. But it's not. I think, what is it, like 20 players or something? Yeah, it's maybe like 20. Um, and honestly, a lot of those players don't sign. Yeah, that's like, the thing. It's a lot of the players who are, they're either like aged out of, the, like they, they're, you know, they're aging out of the league or they're, you know, going to be signing AHL deals kind of thing or, or whatever, um, maybe going to Europe um, at the end of their careers. Um, but yeah, that's that's just another point. And I think that Sean had brought this up. Just the, the next thing I think is Sean had brought up how um, we're predicting it's a probability of, of a spread on the terms um, before we started recording. Sean brought this up. So maybe I should let him him discuss <laughs> or make his point. But I think it is Luke's a good trying point to segue to here. He's yeah. trying to add, not, add a nice segue. Luke's trying his best. After, I'm after, trying my best, okay? After the, uh, what would you call it, sabotage or uh, whatever, he comes in with his gimme credits for the plots. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> hey, I, I mean, think I those took a long time. You guys added extension Yes, an extension okay. op option this year. So I, I just did want to briefly go over that. Uh, there's drop down menu with uh, it says free agent is your is your option, and you could either choose all yes extension no. Is there anything specific that people should know about with this new feature? When using yeah. It? So it it's not anything too special, I guess, but it was, and we did, I should, I meant, I've been meaning to at them on Twitter, but I believe it was Avo Cup, A-A-V-O underscore Cup on Twitter that 
actually asked us about this in a mailbag. I think we talked about this before. We did. And then Luke a, and I got in a big argument because yeah. we both misunderstood the question, I think is what it was. I could be wrong. Maybe Sean's, I think that's where it was. But then after he after they mentioned that, um, we were like, oh, that's actually not a bad idea. So I want to give credit there, and, and we'll make sure. I, I'll try to remember to, to at them on Twitter or maybe mention it. But they're, they're like kind of the reason why we did this. But ultimately... Um, we did a little research ourselves trying to figure out what extension eligible actually looked like and looking in the CBA. Um, and I'm pretty sure that we kind of nailed it because there isn't, or not nailed it. <laughs> we absolutely It's not that hard. We nailed it. No, but it's, it's basically that um, in order for a player to be extension eligible based on what we could tell um, is that a player needs to be signed to a contract that is longer than one year and they need to uh, be on the last year of their deal. And so current contract. current contract. And so what the extension eligible drop down, extension eligible drop down does is it looks at all players in have friendly's data and it it says okay, find me the players that are their contract is expiring at the end of next season and then also players but they also have to be on a contract that was longer than 1 year. And so that then gives you the crop of players who are like who are well one thing going to be free agents next next summer um, unless they sign, but also players who are on who are on a contract that's longer than one year. Um, and so it like I mentioned this I think a couple you know on our earlier episode this week is that like Joe Pavelski signed a contract extension um, for one year in I believe it was February of this season, which is eligible now he's under contract for next year for one year, but we don't have him in that drop down because he's only signed to a one year deal, and those players have to wait until January first of that season before they can sign another extension and so I want to say there's only like 20 players who are whose contract was expiring at the end of next season who are on a one-year deal but they are not included there and so what you get is players uh, who will ultimately who are likely to or or they could if they w- wanted to sign an extension um, basically starting this it summer basically makes it easier for users to go look at um, which players like could potentially sign an extension and oh and the, the other thing filter, quickly yeah. I'll say is that we also set it so that only these players would be signing with their prior team because that you're not going to have an extension well I shouldn't say not because I want to say that like a sign and trade would be potentially or trade and sign or trade and, or sign and trade I think. no trade and sign or either one no it's right. no, it's well, a sign, sign and trade. Oh, sign that's right. Sign, yeah, but that's trade right. Trade and sign would be also something that would happen, I guess. But that, that would, ha- yeah, I don't. It would be signing with their prior team, technically. I think so. It's like there's a little gray area there, but for the most part, it's our. So the highest, like the biggest, you know, free agent or extension eligible player, I think, and a lot of people are maybe going to get sick about hearing this if, over the next year is Austin Matthews and whether or not he's going to. Um, sign with the Leafs uh, as an extension, or if he's going to test the market, because I believe it's a U- he's a UFA in in a year, right? Um, and so right now we have him at I think an eight by twelve point like seven million dollar deal as an extension, twelve point six, yeah. And so he's the highest of the extension. But that, that's household. at the current cap hit. So if you're yes. assuming that the cap hit goes up, which is also why there's an option to change the cap hit, yeah, right, which we can yeah. say, but you can go change. You know, if if you think the cap's going to go up to a hundred million. All the players are going to get paid a lot more because it'll all. Actually, I don't think you can go up that high. <laughs> Wait, really? You said I'm a pretty limit? sure I have limits on it. Yeah, I added limits in case I wrote a comment that said, uh, "Check if it's too low or too high in case users get frisky." Oh, so I can't set <laughs> it to hundred dollars. You can't set it to hundred. No, if that'd you set be it, fun. If you set it to hundred dollars, it will reset back to the default for that season. That is how that That's works. Stupid. So anyway, we also so the extension Spoiler. eligible should be players who are more or less likely or they're able to sign an extension. 
um, currently. Now, uh, of those, I mean, I I think every year there's there's only a little bit, uh, only a few players who you <laughs> did know, you ever... just try it, Sean? I tried. You it. didn't believe <laughs> me. <laughs> what does it do? Eight hundred thirty thousand. It's, just, it's it, realistic. It goes back to the, the default. I told oh, you I that. See. If you try, if you try to enter, I'm gonna something, find the limit. I'm gonna find the limit. I th- I can. I gotta imagine it's like like ninety or something. No, I think it's a hundred no, no, million. No, 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 below. I set it to a hundred bucks, but if I set it to eighty million, are you gonna reset me? No, no. So I'm gonna I'm gonna find the limits. Okay. <laughs> Anywho, so not to ramble on about the extension topic too long. So yes. So I think another thing that comes up with the people that see the screenshot is the predicted term versus the predicted cap hit. And I think for certain players, let me point out like a Patrick Kane, this becomes a real topic of, of discussion. So tweeted out the screenshot when it was released, Patrick Kane, people see five years, 7.3 million. I'm mm-hmm. going to use, I'm going to yeah. reduce the sig figs here. Um, but that is not looking at kind of this two piece of what you're predicting, which is you predict you're using a term model and then you're predicting the cap hit at given term. So how does one read Patrick Kane's projections here? Um, I think in this case, I, I always like to, um, when I'm looking at a player, like Sean mentioned, I look at the actual spread of their probabilities just to kind of get an idea over about, the term. Over the term. And so what that means is if you're on the tool and you see Patrick Kane, you can if you scroll to the right, you'll see various percentages displayed under each. So it'll be it says year one term up to year eight term, and there's eight different probabilities. And yes, contra- uh, Patrick Kane's most likely contract is or, or term, I guess, or, or year length um, is five five years because the model gave it a twenty eight percent chance in in our prediction. But if you look at the other years, um, he's got a twenty percent chance of a two year deal, and basically, actually, tw- basically twenty percent chance of a one, two, or three year deal. Which I think what Sean has kind of mentioned already, or maybe this was before we started recording, is that there's a lot of uncertainty in a kind of player like Patrick Kane and what dollar value that we would maybe expect and the most likely deal just because this is how it works on the tool and this is what our predicted contract is is the five-year deal which has a corresponding cap hit of 7.6 but if he for instance were to sign um just a one-year deal we'd have him at a 4.1 million dollar deal um and i think that it's i think it's a little bit hard sometimes to like I guess interpret what that really means because ultimately we're giving the varying you know levels of of dollar values associated with each year length. But I think what it gives you, I think maybe at a high level, I think what it can give you is a just a general range of what we might expect that player to sign in general. So for Patrick Kane, there's a like a pretty big range between four million and seven or almost eight million, right? And so there's a lot of uncertainty there. I think because of what you know, I don't think. I, because of kind of where Patrick Kane, the player, is now and what he's done this season compared to like where his reputation might be. Um, and so in general, I think that's kind of one of the first things I'd like to do is just say, OK, how certain is the model here? Because, for you know, like a player like Vince Dunn or a player like Timo Meyer, the model is much more certain that they're going to sign a long term deal. But in this case, I think it's just as likely, more or less, that Patrick Kane will sign like a one year deal as a five year deal. And but. I guess we can get in this as well, I, although we can wait a little bit f- until right now is the, the I guess, the um, 
the relationship between term and dollar value is definitely something that we that you'll see like in each player and as the term increases we see a dollar value increase as well which i think is a little counterintuitive i don't know if we want to get into that right now um but i guess to answer your question sean that's usually what i look at first just to see kind of the range of dollar values and also the probabilities and where they are i think we can get into that topic because i think i don't was rnh's contract this past season or was it the year before two it was two years ago yeah right and if i remember the situation correctly RNH was basically predicted at let's say a five year deal at I think like seven million or something. I don't remember what his contract went at. But the We had him projected projected at a seven year eight point one million. At that point? At the point, yeah. This is like we still have him on the site from the twenty two or the twenty twenty one. But is that season. given the term? Or was that so, the most yeah, likely? The most likely was a seven year eight point one million dollar deal. Okay, maybe I'm misremembering then. Well, I think he didn't he sign but, like an eight year five million? I think something like that. He did. But maybe this is maybe that's a bad but I do think, um, speaking about money, I guess. <laughs> um yes, like it's intuitive to people that as you increase the term, you can reduce the AAV because NHL contracts are uh guaranteed and for the player's sake, they are guaranteeing or being risk averse and taking the cash as a as a guarantee as opposed to giving themselves a chance to reset so you know if you looked at the nba a lot of times i think nba contracts are a little bit shorter and also i think there's resets that are kind of built in it's a completely different structure but um or so like an austin matthews this is actually a good. One. So in Austin Matthews, he took a chance and kind of changed the way the RFA market is now working. Mm-hmm. A few years ago, when he signed his extension, I believe at the time it was a five-year extension coming off of his ELC, which brings him to UFA. Whereas Connor McDavid, I think, took the eight-year route and maxed out there, basically. And so what Austin Matthews chose to do was pass off, pass up on the potential three-year guaranteed money that he could get and assumes that he'll stay healthy and his career will last and he'll be able to reset his salary now as a UFA even at 26 years old as opposed to playing an additional three years below what he could get right now, right? So he could be passing up on millions of dollars. It's kind of like a risk idea. And so for certain players, they'll max out their term if they do not feel confident in their ability to reset later on, like an RNH probably. And so this should be able to reduce the term, but I think you guys could speak to it. The model sees the results, right? And players that sign long-term contracts are usually the best players and they're maxing out the AAV at that point to at least what we could see. Yeah. But they might take like, Theoretically, if they're interested in a shorter deal, maybe they could increase their AAV. It gets a little bit weird, but it's more of a survivor bias in the data because we don't have data of how the conversations go, like how contract negotiations yeah. go. Yeah, and we don't have like yeah information about like okay, well, if Austin Matthews signed an eight year instead of a five year, what would that cap hit have been? Like that's not it's not like a data point anyone knows, um, other than the parties involved. Um, and so, yes, I think that it also works in the other direction where 
predicting, like, say, predicting a one-year contract for McDavid, like, well, that's an absurd thing. But we, the, the model spits out a, <laughs> it'll spit out a term for McDavid at one year, but it's a very, very low probability that that will happen. And the only time you really see that happen is with uh, players who, um, they just take their qualifying offer and sign a one-year deal, um, which is very rare. Like we had Taylor Hall did that. I think Liney did that. One uh, year. Yeah, Patrick Liney did that. Klingberg kind of did that last season, I think. Um, kind of, but that he was older. That yeah. wasn't really the RFA thing. But, yeah, um, I think the other thing too with the so like what the relationship between term and, and dollar value really is that what you'll see on the like on Luke's great contract projection plot. Oh, thank you, brother. Is that you? <laughs> Is that usually you you see as the years go up the dollar value goes up and I think that what kind of Sean mentioned is that that's not necessarily intuitive I think people think that if you're buying you know if you have a longer deal you're actually going to get a better you know a better deal quote unquote for the team or whatever but what what ends up I think what the actual relationship is is that there are only ever a few, a, a, a small amount of players who are in GM's you know eyes like good enough to sign long term deals for the most part. Um, you're going to have a lot of players who are only are going to max out at like a three year deal as as they're you know even possible of signing that and so what you get is that players who um the who sign long term deals generally have a much higher value because those players are really good and that's what they're requ- they're defining or I guess that's what they're asking for and, and or what they demand then that's what they demand yeah that's the word I'm searching for and so what you see is though uh, when you look at every player though the actual trends in the data show that if they were to sign an eight-year deal well all the players who sign eight-year deals are good players who make a lot of money and so even if they have a small chance of signing that kind of deal the model is because of the number of players who sign six seven or eight-year deals and how that dollar value is always high for those players it assumes for players who are like quote-unquote worse than those players are just because of the trends and the data, they're more likely to sign a higher dollar value as the years go up. And the other thing I think also, the other part of that is that um, you're also buying more years of UFA time from players. And so there's actually what you see is that players could sign a shorter deal um, and then they have another opportunity to potentially play well and then sign another deal and maybe make more money, for instance. But what teams have to, what teams do with long-term deals is they're actually buying more of the UFA time from a player, which I think also is something that inter- that impacts the amount of money that players are asking for. This is these are kind of some hunches. I think one thing is it's a it's a little bit of a. Um, I think the first part is more impact is more of what's actually going on is that. There's only ever a select group of players who are ever going to sign long-term deals, and usually those players sign for yeah. high dollar. And I, I should also say that this is just all of the things we're saying are just kind of being inferred from the data. This, yes. We don't yeah, have yeah. like hands-on experience with this or negotiations or anything like that. It's yeah, we're just, not negotiating contracts no. with Sean. We're just looking know. at the the, <laughs> the population, the the contract data that's signed in the NHL, and making kind of observations about it. I just wanted to throw that out there. But I anyway. did say that we should do a mock arbitration. <laughs> I, I, I mean, should. yeah, that's an old uh, idea, I think. We should. I would even moderate if you want. I did that <laughs> in school. That was fun. But I think the you way I think about it, we did we did it, and my player was Lindor, Francisco Lindor. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah, when he was, yeah. So I think we were way off with whatever we asked for versus, like, what he got. But, you know. It was still fun. Yeah. I also had to like work with my classmates on that too, right? Anywho, like the way that I think about the term thing is largely about like the risk that each party is taking. Yeah. So like as a player, if you extend your term, you're taking 
the risk of like a rate reset, if you will. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's kind of like how people like are experiencing this with like their mortgages right now. Uh, If you bought a house right now, you're kind of like locked or a couple years ago, the low rate, like you're kind of locked in, right? Like the way that market conditions change. Whereas if you sign a short-term deal and you have like a career-ending injury, you're passing up on guaranteed money, right? So those parties are thinking about that. And then as a team, like if you're extending term, you are, again, because the the contract's guaranteed, like you're increasing, you're taking now the injury risk, right? That's being passed off to you. And um, so that's why teams wouldn't want to go long and why they wouldn't want to give those to like more replaceable players. Whereas like yeah. in the short term, like you give up that injury risk and you're able to kind of like reset the players yourself. But if you aren't willing to go long on certain players, then you might be passing up on talent. Yeah. yeah. So it's other, just kind of like, yeah. Yeah. And I was just going to say, it's kind of a, on the flip side of that is like the, another example would be Kaprizov negotiating his most recent contract, which took a while um, and it was very reported. It was reported a lot uh, on quite a bit that Kaprizov and his agent or whatever their camp was very adamant on signing a five-year deal. They were very adamant on signing the Matthews and Nylander type deals. Um, and Garen, the GM of the Wild, was really trying to get Kaprizov to sign an eight-year contract, right? Um, and so, in order to do that, they are going to have to offer more money per year. To, in order to try to entice a player to take a longer a player of that caliber to take a longer deal versus like giving so Kaprizov probably took a pay cut quote unquote to go for five years so that he could become a UFA at the end of his deal and go explore the market and and yeah um, because Garen wanted because the GMs oftentimes want those players long term like I'm sure that the Leafs I don't re- quite remember what it was but I'm I almost am positive the Leafs wanted Matthews for eight years right and it was right like I mean they have to right yeah and and so like but Matthews wanted five years and so he got less money on that deal although he still signed wasn't it like 11 million or something at five years um I don't I don't yeah yeah but it's like he's a little well, over 11. Yeah, but ultimately he maybe would have gotten the McDavid deal if he had gone eight years, right? Um, and so I, I think that's another thing, a good point, Luke, that that, it, that is one thing that oftentimes GMs are going to say, okay, I'm not paying you as much as I would at five years versus eight years because I'm you're also not buying as many years of their of their free agency time. And there's a very good possibility that you might lose that player to you know to you know free agency after they're done anyway. So yeah, but anyway, we should probably should we just move to the mail some of the mailbag well, questions? Lastly, yeah. I I will say that there are some examples of players that sign long term low dollar deals and they become I think they're becoming more common like but the the crowning like example of this for years is Colton Sisson's contract um <laughs> from uh when was it I have this pulled up from uh yeah July of 2019 he signed a seven-year 2.9 million dollar deal per year um but we've seen Nick Paul did it last summer yes right? and so we're seeing more players who are signing uh I think Nick Paul did I have him on this uh um I don't quite remember I I think it was like an eight-year or anyway, but there was like like Arbitson in 2017 signed a seven year, um, 4.25 million dollar deal. Erickson Eck just signed that kind yeah. of something like that. There uh, were some other like low value deals like um that were kind of on the defenseman side as well. But like Clefbaum, uh, Klingberg Scott signed Mayfield back in the day. No, uh, yeah, yeah, I, one. 
Yeah, I think I don't. Maybe I don't have them in here. Um, but I think in general, though, we're getting more of those. Like Fred, like Sean mentioned, Freddie Goudreau just signed a five-year, two point one million dollar deal. I think um, RNH's deal actually was kind of in line with that too, because I think it was like eight-year, five point one. I want to say. Yeah, but he's and, a different kind of player. He's not yeah. A yeah. Player. But my point here well, is he that he clearly we are, took a huge discount yes. to play with on a team with McDavid. Yeah, though. which but is anyway. paying off this season. Right? Yeah. But uh, the the thing is that there are, there are these kind of contracts, and so you will see players that the model actually picks up on is similar to those kind of players in the population and there are some players that you'll see actually predicted to have lower values sometimes than what you might expect but um yes let's move on uh we have got, some questions i, I think right? there's two good questions to talk about and i think <laughs> that will probably beat the, the rest of this episode since i think we're like 45 minutes in basically yeah yeah so uh first question what are the biggest factors you see that affect a player's contract projection from their first non-elc deal is there more variance of predicting those than other deals? Yeah, and I, I saw this question. I think it's from Brian Basson, I think. Yep. Um, yep. I haven't looked into that. Uh, I guess was my my answer. I was like, well, good. The one of our, you know, I will say, sorry if you asked for a specific player projection. That was our, our question, or the question Sean sent out was not to say, hey, what, who, which players would you like to tell us? Would you like us to tell you what their projection was? Um, it was to kind of about the model. So I'm, I apologize. We're not going to be answering people who were asked taking player or were looking for player requests um and i saw brian's question i'm like god damn it like he's got a, <laughs> this is a good question that i actually don't really have a good answer for is so that's just their first rfa yeah. deal like yeah. what is the what are the factors that go into that type of a contract projection versus like, it's a like UFA? we have like paul caulfield as an example coming yes. this year matt boldy was a thing this kind of ties into another question but like I would assume that there's more variance of players coming off of ELCs just from like a top end as opposed to uh, like the standard population of players coming off of ELCs. Because I would assume the vast majority of players coming off of ELCs and signing their first deal are still kind of working their way into the league yeah. or are going to forever be deaf yeah, players. It's, yeah. it's like the Jordan Greenway or like <clears throat> I'm just trying to think of examples of players who sign like a two-year, $2 million well, it's, it's, deal. It's kind of interesting. Right? Like, the thing I was going to say is that the model starts to pick up on which players will get bridged and which players are going to be signing long-term. And so it, it, it actually is kind of fun, kind of interesting how the model seems to pick up on trends where players will take a bridge deal um, or are more likely to take a bridge deal than take, like, say, a five- or six-year contract. Um, and you can kind of see that. I think Caulfield is an example. Um, I think I, we would consider his projection right now at, what, three years by four point or is that 4. what it was? 4.3 4. 4. Yeah, years at four point. Which would be a bridge yeah, 4. deal 4. Um, for yeah. a player like that. And if you look at his stats, I think you can kind of tell why they're not. It's in then, but for other players, it's very confident that they're going to be like, this is not a player you bridge. This is a player you sign long-term. So I think that's something to kind of look at with RFAs. Um, but and I, I would they, have to yeah, think sorry. that playing time and point totals are going to be a big impact uh, in on top of age. Obviously, age is going to be the biggest indicator there. Um, if a player's like in the... And you should... Do we explain how the ages work, bro? Did you want to go through uh, that? Or? We... we I, I guess here's the quick explanation. We don't... We bin age. So go check out... The, I don't want to get into too much. Go <laughs> it, check it out It works. <laughs> it's, it's... You know, people talk about binning and we don't need to get... Sometimes in, it's a feature in a model so, i will say it, it's very helpful to bin lo like like long stretches of continuous information that you can't include otherwise easily 
But to answer Brian's question, Luke, I think what you were saying is that I think one I and I will I guess we can maybe slightly merge uh, to or, or veer towards the Caulfield uh, just general projection um, because I think that like a lot of people will see projections and be like, oh, this is just wrong or it's it's but you know this is clearly like not what's going to happen but I think a lot of that ends up being perception of a player because if you actually look at like just the raw skater metrics for Caulfield like he it wasn't like he was anything particularly amazing like compared to other players now I think what people say is Boldy Matt Boldy is the more is the recent comparable to Caulfield but Boldy was better in basically every metric that is impactful (laughs) and I'm not trying to be like mean I'm just I looked at this because I was like okay where what is what are we missing here right and over the last three seasons if we just take a comparison like this is the raw data that we included in the model is that like in this approach Caulfield has a weighted points average of of 30 or 32.6 points over the last three years weighted um Boldy had uh like almost 40 and he also had more playing time. He had more a higher game score. He had more everything, basically. And so, like the actual comparable, I think in this in this situation to um, the Caulfield deal is based on just like a quick overall like co- comparable that I looked at is more of the um, like a David Perron contract or even who was the like Tyler Ennis's contract when he signed uh, in 2012 with Buffalo. Like these type of contracts are more where. Caulfield is in line with than the Matt Boldy because Matt Boldy in just had has more uh, has more has more. <laughs> now I think like what Luke said is the playing time is a big thing and especially when you're younger, um, that's also kind of taken into account. Is if you're in your second year and you've played every game that you you know been in versus if you're kind of just a call up here and there or you're not fully getting full playing time or whatever. Sorry, sorry, Sean, you're you're well, want to say I mean, something. At the end of the day, though, he was injured. I think that was kind of the question behind it, and that's what affects the perception, right? Because, yes. and not to defend Cole Caulfield here, <laughs> but you can, you can defend him. Yeah, I was my worst him. night. Well, this is just a nightmare. But uh, <laughs> you know, he had 26 goals in 46 games. He was almost certainly, if he was healthy and didn't get injured, would have scored 40 goals this year coming into his contract i think that would completely change yeah the perception yes. of him like it's not like he was sent down to laval well he was he was at one <laughs> point in this in this three year in this three year time but you know like i think that affects things i in the model is not totally set on him signing that bridge deal right yes. like, yeah 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 i think the aav is around the matt boldy idea um it gives a 30% chance for him to sign a six to seven year contract. I'm just going to combine those there yeah. with a range in there of about 5.8 to three, uh, 6.3 and probably extend like 500 K on each side. So like between 5.3 million and 6.8 million for anything in that term, if you will, like, I think that kind of matches that gets you back to the perception but I think what the model is telling you is that given this injury time, he, the Canadians are going to be less likely to give him a long-term contract, and he's probably also going to have a harder time finding that long-term deal that they can agree on and that they'll just come down to 
a shorter bridge deal and reset themselves once yeah. Paul Caulfield has a few more healthy seasons. Yeah. yeah. And I should say that also we the seven year deal, like Sean mentioned, is more or less the Boldy deal. It's a little lower. Like it's I think we have him at six point six million Boldy signed. I think it was seven million. Um but the actual cap percentage for Boldy's deal was uh 8.3, of the cap, and and Boldy we have it like points at you seven point nine. Or sorry, Boldy's contract is like eight point four percent, and Caulfield's at seven years, and the projected seven year deal for Caulfield is at like seven point nine, almost eight. So it's only a little lower. And if you actually just look at the underlying metrics, sorry, what did I say something or, wrong there? Yeah, you just you just not inflate. Oh, oh, you're talking about cap hit. Sorry, percentage. cap yes, percentage. Yes, yes. cap yes, hit okay. percentage is that we have. A couple decimal points, I guess, in the percentages lower for Caulfield. And part of that is just like playing time and missed opportunity for points. But again, I think because of the missed time, like what Sean said, not to completely restate what he said, is that it seems likely that uh, it, more of the br- the model is just like this is more of a bridge. Well, deal. and the other thing I should say is that I think a lot of people might, might I, and I see this every now and then where people are like, well, you know, Sean brought this up. Is like, oh well, if he didn't play, if he if he had stayed healthy the whole season, he would have scored forty goals, but he didn't, right? And that's, I think, the thing. The reality of it is, if you come at it from thinking, oh well, he was on pace for this. Like, I'm I'm not saying Sean that you he hasn't even scored thirty goals. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's, that's all <laughs> I'm, I'm saying. I'm saying is that is that in reality, players who get injured like this, they don't end up signing contracts based on what their pace was. You know, yeah, yes. that's just doesn't it's not what happened. And that's why it's, we don't incorporate or and I guess the other thing I should we could mention is that I did actually try to account for the league environment changing and like scoring rates. And I, I tried a bunch this this spring when I was working on the model updates um, to account for like a different approach, like using rate stats or using like doing, you know, centering and scaling things to account for the, the changing scoring environment. And it didn't do anything. And so for the most part, GMs just look at the raw totals. Like that's kind of what we see. And like what Lou said is that if Caulfield had scorned, score, scorned, if, if Caulfield had scorned, if he, had, those- if he scored more goals and he played more games, he would get a higher contract, but he didn't. And so like, that's what we see. Uh, what's the, the silly Italian quote? Like, like real, real businessman. <laughs> if, if my grandma had wheels, she'd be a bike. Is that the yeah. quote? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's great it, yeah it's it's macaroni and cheese it's yeah british carbonara anyhow yeah. again i'm uh, not this is nothing against caulfield it's just that it, it that th- these things and actually you'd be surprised how like a player scoring five more goals in a season is like probably like i wanted to look at this is like if a player scored and x number of goals and more, it, it, again it doesn't matter about empty net goals either no it doesn't which is a funny thing if you think about how no it doesn't it's if it's, players like if if a coach doesn't like a player, they just don't put them out when they're defending an empty net, so they can't ever score more goals and get their contract up. You know, yeah. like that. Like you could like it's dumb, but you know, it's yeah, just, like raw how- raw games played, time and ice points and goals are kind of what drive everything in dollar values. And if you as a player are able to score five more goals, you're probably able to make about five hundred thousand dollars more in your next contract. I mean, it's maybe more. Like depending, like that's kind of just like the kind of uh we're the this bi- is just we're, this an is estimate. business we're business this is talking. an estimate just an estimate you know yeah but <laughs> i don't know anyway. was there another question sean i don't want to keep you from the leafs game too much longer if- <laughs> yeah yeah um well it's turning into torture so um the other question is who do you think is the most likely player to be the furthest from your projections this offseason bergeron oh, yeah. 
because <laughs> uh, he's not going to sign. Or no, is Bergeron is he retired? Okay, that would be my first. Nobody, no, he is. No he's knows. not going to announce anything. He yeah. didn't sign until August last year. Yeah, nobody knows this stuff. So, I, I would think with the Bruins' uh, recent overage penalties uh, or whatever it was, like he likely is more likely to take the a small deal again. Um, but uh, the one I think Patrick Kane, Patrick Kane is the one that jumps out to me. Is just I think. In rare situations, uh, and I, we haven't talked about this at all, we don't incorporate playoff data in the model, um, so it's only regular season data. I should have mentioned that earlier. But in certain situations, the reputation of a player, I think, completely goes against what the what the data actually sees. And I think right now with Patrick Kane, now I'm not saying that I don't think a team is not, I don't want to say dumb enough, but a team <laughs> is not going to sign the Patrick Kane deal. I think that's it's in the realm of possibility, and the model sees that. But I think a lot of teams and like saw Patrick Kane in the playoffs and saw him on the Rangers and kind of know what he is, even though the data doesn't support that necessarily. And I just think that Patrick Kane is the one that I wouldn't be surprised if he has trouble signing a contract longer than like a two by three or something. Like, I just don't know if there's a a team. Oh, I think it'd be higher than that. It might be. I'm just saying like, I would not, it would not surprise me if Patrick Kane has trouble finding a team to sign him for a bigger deal than what I think, uh, you know that would be, but that's the one. I, I don't know, know. Sean. This, do you have any? Yeah, you have an you're, idea? Be, you're maybe better to ask this, Sean. Is is there... I was gonna say the Kane one, but like for different reasons, maybe. Okay. I don't think anybody. I think it's because he wants to be on a competing team. I think he's yeah. pretty serious about it. Oh yeah, that, yeah, that's a good reason. There's still like teams are still cap trapped, cap strapped. So I think like he'll take the friendlier deal to be able to play with a team that you want to play. Like I wonder if. He, I don't know what the situation is with him resigning with the Rangers. I think they have a cap issue now. So, like, I don't know. Does he take a discount to play with the Rangers again and play a full season? I know, but would the Rangers like, even want him back? Is my question. Probably. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Like, maybe. <laughs> I think yeah, you guys yeah. are much further down on him than like most are. Um, That's fair. That could be fair. We're very like cut off i think because of how how in the weeds we are with this stuff so i sometimes miss on the narratives well also i just have looked been looking at his xgar numbers for the past three (laughs) years and it's a rough i I just think that rough seas out there the other thing and we could ramble about as as people maybe haven't picked up on this luke and i really like this stuff and it's it's fun to talk about so we can go on for a long time is the one thing is with older players the model can get a little weird and we've we've had to adjust for this but like Right now, I think the model was, you know, it still thinks Bergeron's going to sign a three-year deal, and that's mostly because in the model, we've actually just kind of capped how long players who are over, like, 35 can actually sign contracts because it all started from, uh, uh, who was it on the Canes? Um, Why am I forgetting uh, the name? Uh, Justin Williams. Justin Williams, the model, used to love Justin Williams. Even when he was, like, 38, it thought he was going to sign, like, a seven-year deal with a new team or something. And it's like, well, that's just and, impossible. And, and that would be basically if just another kind of to get into the weeds is that the the power, the, the impact that age, the ability it has to impact the model can only go so far. So, yes. like, a, a player that's over 37, like, that – indicator that they're over 37 it can only do so much to limit the prediction of a certain even if it looks like absurd because it's just such an outlier like you know if we had yager say yager was still in the league and he was 42 
and he's signing contracts, like, you know, given his age and who he is, like, that's just, there's no comparable to and the, Yarmir Yager. Yeah, or you know? like Chara was another one. Chara was another one, yeah. But I, I think every year, like, I think if Pavelski hadn't extended, the model was going to say three years, because that's like, he, I mean, he would have been an eight-year deal kind of player, <laughs> and that that would have been what we would have, the model would, I this would be my guess. But I guess the other one, I was kind of curious what you thought, Sean, is I felt like our Brat projection was kind of low, um, but maybe I'm just wrong. Like, maybe, maybe that was just... lower on him. Yeah, maybe. I I don't know. I just feel like the way and people New talk. New Jersey pushed hard on him, no? Because like that was a tough negotiation for him to sign a one year deal. Yeah. Wait. Hold on. Am I? Did he? He didn't sign recently, did he? No. 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 He signed a one year deal to become a free agent again this year. Oh, this is. Oh, no, yeah, that was in August. I see what you're saying. So he's up now, though, is what I'm saying. And I felt like it was. Right. Yeah. It was. Maybe. It, yeah. See, we're we're out of the we we're out into the. Out of where we You're don't out of the weeds. <laughs> he's an RFA. He's an RFA yeah. again with the same team again. Like clearly, they couldn't come together on a long-term contract yeah. last time. And like the model, of course, is predicting a long-term contract again because he's good. Yeah, <laughs> but I think like I, I, so I eloquent perceptions kind of shrinking on him, or isn't as high as like maybe you would have thought. Yeah, given especially given New Jersey's success this year. So it's yeah. a little bit odd. I saw a lot of people kind of just be against Jesper Bratt. And yeah, there was a lot I mean, of yeah, for sure. As a New Jersey Devils hater, like <laughs> absolutely hate Bratt because he's so good. But like, <laughs> I, yeah, I, yeah. I think like the perception's a little bit lower, and I I don't know if he was looking to take a five year six and a half million dollar contract this year that's the most likely projection well and the thing i'll say is that we also are projecting a one year like his one and two year deals are still would be the same like they're like oh the model's like oh he could probably just sign what he signed last year and then he you know he'll do the sam reinhardt thing right and then just go to you i don't know exactly how it worked but he didn't reinhardt sign like two one-year deals back to back or was that stone maybe i'm trying to think who did the, uh i don't know thornton maybe joe thornton did that I thought when he, when he was when he 34. Was no, when he's younger, <laughs> younger, you know, like in his. Well, you don't have data on that. I don't sorry, know. sorry. I I'm, 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 you remember, like, he got traded away when I was in. Uh, <laughs> so the lockout was 2004, 2005, right? And he got yeah. traded away in the fall of 2005. So I was in second grade. Second grade. You lost your big. Was he your favorite player when you were in second grade? Yeah, it was him, uh, Raycroft. I think Sergey Samsonov is still on the team. Uh, those are like the, the <laughs> those top are your guys. guys. Those are your guys. Yeah. Well, anyway, we should probably end this because it's getting pretty. I don't know. So okay, then never mind. I think Patrick Kane. I was very surprised at Vince Dunn's contract projection as well, but then I looked at like the data and like, yeah, that's what he is kind of right in line with. Like he's basically was like, I think the comps I looked into were. I think Morgan Riley's contract, John Carlson, and Jacob Truba were like the three that were really pretty similar. And he's basically in between Truba and um, and Carlson. Uh, and it's actually kind of insane what he did this year and how that impacted, uh, you know, his contract. Because like that, he's kind of that projection when I went and looked at it, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, that kind of makes sense. Like that, you know. So I think the Patrick Kane one more actually after you said it, Sean. More to your point is I think that Kane wants to play on a team that is contending and he will probably take less money to do so um that seems like the more reasonable way and the model doesn't know that like there, obviously there's no way for the model yeah. to incorporate all right column, that's an, we don't need know. to talk about pad, uh, that okay. anymore all right so let's just end this 
Yeah. Uh, the con- we've we've discussed the contract projections for over an hour without a break. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. So no sponsor. <laughs> no sponsor. I'm angry. Uh, so well, that means yeah. we didn't make any money off of this. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Because yes. we make what, what we made. We made a dollar last time. Won the day. The one before. No. Just <laughs> yeah. I paid myself five dollars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I pay myself five dollars each time as I yeah take get royalties. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. But no. So. I hope that this is informative. I know we rambled quite a bit. Luke and I, enjoy, I think all three of us enjoy this stuff, yeah, as well, a lot yeah, of people do. You know. um, so if you have any questions, like, feel free to reach out on Twitter or uh, hit us up in our contact form on the site or email us, uh, support or support at evolving-hockey.com. Um, you can find our contract projections on the site. Uh, they are under the projections dropdown uh, or there, I think, slash contract-projections. And we should say that they're avail- you have to be a pro subscriber. Yeah, they're they're available for, for pro subscribers. Um, um, with pro, with a pro subscription, you get all of our projections and you get uh, the ability to download uh, all the data on the site. Other... You know, and I have to, you know, we hate to do this, but you, the contract projections are not available for download um, just because of how things have worked in the there past. There aren't a lot it's of them. Just, you just look yeah. at, it at the table. You yeah, know, it's you, not a ton. Just use the table. Yeah. Uh, anyway, and so, <laughs> yes. Uh, so consider, but, uh, if you're interested in this stuff, consider uh, giving us, you know, subscribing and checking them out. Yes, we um, appreciate all of our pro subscribers, all our standard subscribers. All uh, our we, users. All of our users. We, we love, love all of you. Yeah. And we thank you very much for the support throughout the years. And yeah. we... Uh, Again, if you have any questions, um, just hit us up. You know, we're we're here to and happy to answer any questions you may have. Yeah. All right. With that, we will be back early next week to discuss the ongoing playoffs. Um, no, there will be no ends to any series either at that at that point. Unfortunately, so much hope. There's basically no games on Saturday, <laughs> and yeah. Uh, but yeah, we'll be back early next week with a regularly scheduled episode. Awesome. Thanks, Sean. Take it easy, Sean.